This podcast and the following message are brought to you by Coinbase. Join the most trusted place to buy and sell cryptocurrency. Coinbase supports a growing list of assets, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and more than 50 other cryptocurrencies. Crypto stored on Coinbase's servers is covered by Coinbase's insurance policy, keeping your crypto investments safe and giving you peace of mind. Find out more and support this podcast by going to autoconverse.com slash Coinbase and get $10 free to invest when using our affiliate link. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash Coinbase. Get our promo code and receive $10 in free cash to make your first investment today. And thank you. There's one AI that has a monopoly on Wall Street, is now more powerful than politics, and is buying up every asset in the world at a faster rate than ever before. Meet Aladdin. Aladdin is actually a network composed of 5,000 supercomputers that now manages a whopping $21 trillion in assets, which is more than the GDP of every country on Earth except the U.S. and China, and it does so with very little human intervention. What's even more alarming is Aladdin now tracks everything in our lives, from what we buy to what we eat, and even our bank transactions, and yet most of us don't even know it exists. Most importantly, I believe Aladdin may be the secret weapon the elite few are using to control more of our lives every day, leaving us with less money, property, and freedom. That was Taylor from Pulse Gains talking about the supercomputer AI network Aladdin, powered by BlackRock, the world's largest shadow bank, which many are labeling as a fifth branch of government. As you heard Taylor say, Aladdin is buying up every asset in the world at a faster rate than ever before. The name Aladdin stands for Asset Liability Debt and Derivative Investment Network. It started as a risk management software created by BlackRock CEO Larry Fink in the early 2000s. But now Aladdin apparently manages more than $21 trillion in assets, which is more than the GDP of every country on earth except for China and the U.S. And it does so with very little human intervention. It was not long ago that Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk told us that humanity should be very concerned about artificial intelligence. Could it be he was referring to Aladdin specifically? Maybe, maybe not, who knows. But we do know that AI technology is real, it's powerful, and in the wrong hands can also have devastating consequences. And maybe that is the warning Musk was trying to give us. From Autoburst Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Autoconverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I am Ryan Girardi, and once again, great to be back here with you. appreciate you taking the time to be here, tuning in and listening. Whether it's your first time here or your last, we are grateful for your visit. Shouts out real quick and happy birthday to my dad, Robert, my sister, Aubrey, and my nephew, Travis, all having birthdays 
uh, so far this month. Happy birthday to all three of you, and happy birthday to you too if today is your birthday or if yours is nearby. So back to Aladdin. The story about Aladdin and where it came from and how it got so powerful is one of the most fascinating stories on Wall Street. I won't get completely into it, but the way Aladdin works is it runs on what are called Monte Carlo simulations. It takes past data points like the ups and downs of the stock market, gas prices, freak weather, natural disaster, political scandals, and so on, and it compares them to the current climate. Aladdin then creates a probability model and shifts BlackRock's wealth from troubled assets to the more profitable ones. In its first 10 years, Aladdin became so intelligent and so good at picking winners and losers that Larry started selling access to it as a service to other Wall Street companies. And not just any companies, massive conglomerates like GE and Walmart. In order to properly help them manage their risk, Aladdin had to know all of their inner workings, from their profits to their supply chains. I mean, literally everything. And this is when the game changed. With each new client, from Microsoft to Apple, HSBC to Amazon, Aladdin became more robust and more powerful, and it started taking over everything. So where does all this leave us? Well, if you've ever heard the saying that by 2030 you will own nothing and be happy, you might have a better idea of what Klaus Schwab is getting at. He means it literally. You will own nothing because he, and probably Larry Fink, will own everything. Now, that might be an exaggeration, but maybe not. Only time will tell. However, I'm not sure how any of this translates into our happiness. But before we get more into that, how about some headlines? Well, real quick, on oil prices, they have fallen below $90 a barrel for the first time since the Ukraine invasion of Russia. The price of a barrel of oil fell to its lowest level since February as investors respond to growing fears that a looming recession will drastically reduce demand for energy. A barrel of West Texas Intermediate was changing hands at less than $88 at one point. After peaking at nearly $140 a barrel in March, oil has been sliding steadily lower ever since. But Thursday's sell-off was sparked by new data out at the U.S. showing that Americans are driving less this summer than they were even two years ago during the 2020 pandemic lockdowns. Moving on to electric vehicles, Ford is looking to achieve a 600K EV run rate for 2023. And to achieve this goal, the veteran automaker has added battery chemistries and secured contracts to deliver 60 gigawatt hours of annual battery capacity for its EV production ramp. So with these, Ford's ramp of its electric vehicle lineup should be secured in the coming years. Now, while a 600K EV annual run rate for late 23 is already notable, Ford's plans for the coming years are even more impressive. The automaker noted that by the end of 2026, Ford should hit an annual run rate of 2 million EVs. And this should make Ford as one of the market's key players in the growing electric vehicle segment. And Apple wants you to start buying gas directly from your car dashboard as early as this fall when the newest version of its CarPlay software rolls out will be accelerating the company's push to turn your vehicle into a store for goods and services. 
A new feature quietly unveiled at Apple's developer conference will allow CarPlay users to tap an app to navigate to a pump and buy gas straight from a screen in the car, skipping the usual process of inserting or tapping a credit card. Pretty cool. GM will soon allow drivers to use Super Cruise on more than 400,000 miles of roads in the U.S. and Canada, doubling access to its hands-free driver assistance system as it pushes to keep a pace of its rivals. When the system is activated, it will accelerate or brake to maintain a selective following distance from vehicle ahead, steer to keep its lane position, and on select models, automatic change lanes to pass slower traffic. Drivers with vehicles equipped with Super Cruise today can only use the system on about 200,000 miles of divided interstates. Notably, this new expansion will loosen those restrictions and give drivers access to Super Cruise on undivided highway roads such as the Pacific Coast Highway, the Trans-Canada Highway, and U.S. Route 66. When you think car buying getting tough now, GM has sent a letter to dealers that details a plan to penalize consumers who try to flip their vehicles. The automaker says that buyers of certain high-demand vehicles who resell those models within 12 months of their initial purchase will now face the consequence of being barred from placing future orders or reservations. Auto News says GM will also place limits on the transfers of certain warranties. So far, the policy is only intended to apply to those vehicles that are most in demand for GM and include the 2023 Cadillac Escalade V, Chevrolet Corvette Z06, and GMC Hummer EV pickup and SUV. Now, here's a development I'm going to put in there just because later on in the program today, I'm going to be reading off to you my most recent article on industry voices over at wardsauto.com, Toyota's push for hydrogen fuel cells over electric batteries. So Toyota maintains that hydrogen-fueled cars not only provide a viable option to battery electric vehicles, but also support a diverse marketplace. The automaker also points out many current cars could be converted to run on hydrogen, allowing owners to keep their current vehicle. I'll get to that article in a little bit, but it's related to this headline, uh, with Daimler since last year, a Mercedes-Benz Gen H2 truck fuel cell prototype has been undergoing intensive testing, both on the in-house test track and on public roads. Daimler truck is now putting another prototype into operation to test the use of liquid hydrogen. Daimler truck notes that it prefers LH2 in the development of hydrogen-based drives as it has a higher energy density in relation to volume compared to gaseous hydrogen. So as a result, more hydrogen can be carried, which significantly increases the range and enables comparable performance of the vehicle with that of a conventional diesel truck. So again, later on, we'll get into Toyota's push for hydrogen fuel cell vehicles as well. Coming up, we gotta get emissions down by 2030. So who do you think Justin Trudeau's gonna focus on? His billionaire mates or ordinary farmers? Farmers, bloody farmers! Hey, folks! Thanks again for tuning in to the Auto Converse podcast. The following wellness mindset tip is brought to you by Smart Pixel, powered by M1 Data and Analytics.
So with the calm method, you're able to start telling yourself a story that aligns with the actions that you want to take and then the results that you want to get. So we teach and talk on what we most need help with in our own lives, right? So I was always inundated with thoughts that would keep me uh, in one place, feeling stuck, procrastinating, putting things off. And when I started implementing this method, I started taking action, both small and big, like leaving my corporate job to have my business and doing what I love. So this really works when you start putting it into practice and being consistent about it. And like with anything that we do, the more we do something, the easier it becomes, the more automatic it comes. So at first it might feel like you're stopping what you're doing to really think through the steps. Oh, let me become conscious of how I'm feeling. Let me think aware. What am I thinking about? How do I lean into what else is possible? What are some other options? And then let me make a new decision. So it might feel a little clunky, but the more you do it, it just becomes second nature. That was Nikki Ganjemi during B2B Hour on Auto Conversion, our monthly live networking event and idea exchange, not to be confused with autoconverse.com, our mobility tech and connectivity blog and podcast that you're listening to now. Nikki Ganjemi is an international board certified success and life coach, NLP practitioner, clinical hypnotherapist, speaker, author, and founder of Mindful Matters, though she calls herself a personal trainer for your mind. Visit her on the web by going to www.nikkiganjemi.com. That's N-I-K-K-I-G-A-N-G-E-M-I.com. Hello, Jason here. Patent pending Smart Pixel is truly unique. When this simple piece of code is placed in the header of a website, it turns anonymous website visitors into fully identified consumer data. That's right, we can turn those clicks and visits into powerful data about the consumers visiting your website. You don't get that type of insight or data from Google Analytics. The type of data provided is name, address, email, what type of car they drive, homeowner, and much more. Up to 306 attributes about the consumer is revealed to you. Now, some would say, well, I already have that. But do you? The industry today is full of retargeting that depends on third-party cookies and IP retargeting. In either case, you're not truly matching to an accurate one-to-one -one identity. IP retargeting by nature is flawed due to the simple fact that up to 22 different devices can be using the same IP address, meaning you can't really be sure that you're engaging with the right person. Thousands of clients are using SmartPixel today. It works in all kinds of industries like auto dealers, RV dealers, real estate, consumer goods, hospitality, and much, much more. Websites of all types and sizes are benefiting from SmartPixel. Many of our clients use this amazing data in custom audience creation within Facebook and other channels. It's shown our clients a three times higher conversion and significant reduction in ad spending. If you'd like to learn more about SmartPixel and other amazing things that M1 Data does, please visit GetSmartPixel.com. Thanks a lot. 
All right. So you heard me mention about Toyota's push for hydrogen fuel cells over electric vehicles. I recently had an article published on wardsauto.com. You can search for the article by just typing in my name and Wards Auto uh, on your preferred uh, search engine, uh, or you can just go to Wards Auto and look for Toyota's push for hydrogen fuel cells. Uh, the article's gotten some uh, good attention. I'm going to read most of it to you, and then I'm going to have some comments that I'll put up there for you to think about. So when Toyota unveiled the Prius in 97, the automaker effectively brought hybrid electric vehicles to the mainstream. Now, since then, they've continued to be a champion of alternative fuels and also a more sustainable future for transportation. But now Toyota has said it's ready to move from hybrid electric vehicles to hydrogen fuel cell technology. More importantly, it says its data suggests that battery electric cars might not be as green as you think. Additionally, it says electric cars simply do not offset carbon emissions enough to make a difference, particularly in light of the rise in energy-consuming industries such as cryptocurrency. And I will point out, and you can look this up, that ICE, internal combustion engine vehicles today, produce a nominal amount of carbon emissions. We've come a long way with combustion engine technology. Now, others say the move is simply Toyota's way of staying ahead of the competition and muddying the waters, ultimately hindering the evolution of EVs and sustainable transportation. So what's Toyota's history in sustainable transportation? Well, by and large, Toyota has been the face of the green car movement for consumers and, in the, and across the industry. With more than 1,000 patents on solid-state batteries, Toyota has been pursuing battery electric vehicle technology for decades and in earnest. By comparison, though, the company holds more than 5,000 patents on hydrogen fuel cell technology and now offers them royalty-free to automakers in order to encourage development. Hmm. Now, like BEVs, battery electric vehicles, hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, we can call FCV, are considered zero-emission vehicles since they do not produce any gases while in use. That label is a bit misleading, however, as both BEVs and FCVs produce carbon emissions as part of their charging or refueling process. But still, Toyota claims that hydrogen offers something that BEVs cannot. We call it minus or negative emissions. The new message is that driving not only can be safer for the environment, but could actually be good for the environment. The company claims that their Mirai FCV will clean the air while in use through its air purification system. The message, according to one Toyota executive, is that the automaker does not want to be seen as an EV maker, but rather as a carbon-neutral company. Now, critics are quick to point out that hydrogen itself needs to be manufactured through a process that causes pollution of its own, and added to that are concerns over how to safely transport and store hydrogen-dense fuel. Now, much like BEVs, fuel cell vehicles have been discussed and researched for a long time. Uh, For instance, in 2004, California's then-governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, had boasted plans for a hydrogen highway that would include hydrogen refueling stations. But the plan fizzled after the 2004 announcement, and again in 2014. Critics say it's time to move on. Tesla CEO, Elon Musk, who has a clear vested interest in the idea of battery electric vehicles becoming the new standard in transportation, 
has been dismissive of fuel cell technology. Over the years, Musk has even referred to FCVs as fuel cells and dismissed the technology as a load of rubbish and mind-bogglingly stupid. I'll leave it to you to decide if he is biased on that subject. Toyota maintains that FCVs not only are a viable option, but also is important to maintain a diverse marketplace. Also points out many current cars could be converted to FCVs, allowing owners to keep their car. And Toyota has already begun testing their technology on the racetrack using converted Yaris and Corolla models. So the go green rhetoric I talk about that has gained popularity since the 1970s might not be the green solution of the future. Science is an ever-changing field and a solution that looks good at one point might prove not to be the best option once we begin to implement it. Battery electric vehicles themselves do deliver zero emissions, but charging them leaves a significant carbon imprint. FCVs have similar issues as well, but still the push for BEVs exclusively does limit our options. The reality is that we are in uncharted territory, and we do not actually know how the future of sustainable transportation will play out. And Toyota, I would say as a pioneer in sustainable transportation, it's clear the automaker does not buy into the push to accept BEVs as the perfect one-size-fits-all solution that it is presented to be. Instead, Toyota simply wants to explore alternatives. The enemy is carbon, not internal combustion engines, says Toyota chief Akio Toyota. Carbon neutrality is not about having a single choice, but about keeping options open. Hey dad, are you still looking for a car? Did you know that when you click on car ads, dealers pay for every click? But shouldn't you get paid? After all, you're the one clicking. That's why I use Ask Auto. With Ask Auto, you build rewards as you shop. Plus, Ask Auto recommends exclusive offers based on your needs. You can ask questions on cars you like and still protect your personal information. You can even set your price. Who knew car shopping could be so easy and rewarding? Ask Auto. Fast, fun, and rewarding car shopping. Well, I will say if we truly all want the same thing, which is a more environmentally friendly way to travel, then why would we not want to explore every viable choice? In response to that, one user using the name Blade says, could this article possibly exhibit any less critical thinking? You question Musk's motives for pushing BEV technology, but not for Toyota's pushing fuel cells. The fact is that Toyota have been dragging their feet on batteries and are now massively behind in sourcing a sufficient supply for their ambitious BEV production numbers. Most industry analysts see their criticism of BEVs for what it really is, which is distracting from their poor vision. You could have also explained why Musk calls fuel cells fuel cells, and that's because of the horrible well-to-wheel efficiency that they provide. You need four times the renewable energy to drive the same number of miles with a fuel cell vehicle over a battery electric vehicle. And add to that a required huge build-out of a green hydrogen manufacturing and distribution infrastructure, which simply does not yet exist. And the massively larger cost of hydrogen fueling stations compared to charging stations. He cites 2 million per pump versus around 300,000 uh, per entire location for electric charging. It becomes clear why fuel cells in road vehicles are, not, are a non-starter. The world has moved on except for Toyota. Again, this is a comment from 
Blade on wardsauto.com. And Fast Eddie says, the previous CEO of Toyota set the direction, and Mr. Toyota is continuing it. Toyota convinced the Japanese government to commit to the hydrogen economy and make it the theme for the Tokyo Olympics. And that was a major flop. Urban environment air is often so dirty it degrades the fuel cell stacks requiring filtration of incoming air. Research shows that smog causes an irreversible degradation of fuel cells. Toyota is trying to spin this part of the story as negative emission, but the story falls under the marketing fallback position of if you can't fix it, feature it. Fast Eddie goes on to say, Mr. Toyota needs to step up his role, admit their errors, and turn his organization loose to build competing, I think competing, EVs. No company should do it better. So, you know, Fast Eddie, I'll say, if you're listening to this, I agree. No company should do it better than Toyota. Toyota is a pioneer in so many ways, Uh, again, with the hybrid electric vehicles. As to Blade, I think you make a good point. But the point of the article was to explain Toyota's push for hydrogen fuel cells. And when you ask if it could exhibit any less critical thinking, I would just point out the fact that all we're doing is laying out Toyota's case. And we included in the article opposition and and criticism of their strategy. And as you noted, we mentioned Musk's uh, opposition uh, towards it as well. So... Uh, I do feel like we laid out a fair article and my point in the article ended with saying, I like the idea of having options versus just having electric vehicles. All we've had to date are internal combustion engine vehicles. And now suddenly overnight, we're going to just have electric vehicles. And I don't see the point in that. There's so many technologies and so much is yet to work itself out. It just seems like we should have some options. And I think that's what Toyota is bringing to the table. Nonetheless, I do appreciate uh, the comments that were left there and also Ward's Auto for publishing the article. Uh, We have been on this subject matter for quite some time. For instance, earlier in the year, we published an article asking if if battery electric vehicles are even a low-carbon solution at all. And last year around this time, we, we had launched the series with the piece titled Batteries, Not Engines, Driving the Auto Industry Now. Okay, well, that is a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Autoconverse podcast. Be sure to text the keyword Autoconverse, all one word, to the number 855-766-7585. If you're out of the country, then put a plus one on there. We will send you a link to get subscribed to our YouTube channel. Uh, so you can tune into our live shows every month. You'll also receive occasional text messages to other videos and podcast episodes. Now, the reason I played the clip of Russell Brand earlier was because he was pointing out the hypocrisy of global elitists who fly around the world in their private jets, advocating and even imposing systems to combat climate change. Well, last week we played YouTuber Amala Ekmanobi listing the top 10 carbon-producing celebrities based on their own private jet usage. Look, there's a lot of rhetoric out there about climate change or climate crisis, and dare I say, even scandalous activity. For example, did you know that in 2021, Microsoft founder Bill Gates joined Blackstone in a bid to buy a British private jet services firm? 
BlackRock, remember, is the shadow banker that owns Aladdin, the AI supercomputer that we just introduced you earlier, which sees and analyzes just about everything that we do as consumers. Well, Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, happens to also sit on the board of the World Economic Forum run by Klaus Schwab. Larry is one of the board of trustees. Do you see the big picture here? The tension comes as efforts to cut carbon dioxide emissions related to energy are lagging, so policymakers are increasingly looking to other sectors, including agriculture. Now, what's interesting about this is when Justin Trudeau's spreading this message, he's doing it by flying all over Canada in a private jet. If there's one thing you don't want to do when spreading the message of not spreading emissions is spread emissions while you're spreading the message about spreading those emissions. In July, Trudeau managed to rack up 26,000 kilometres aboard his private jet Can Force One. What a stupid name. Like, if you're trying to distance yourself from America, don't name your leader's private jet after their leader's private jet. 5,500 kilometres came from Trudeau's ship to the Calgary Stampede. That's what we saw him at in that cowboy app. The richest 1% of the global population have used twice as much carbon as the poorest 50% over the last 25 years, according to Oxfam. So if what you were really interested in was reducing carbon, what you do is you talk to the most powerful people in the world, the most powerful interests in the world, the most powerful elites in the world, and say, you've got to reduce your carbon emissions. And then what they'll do is they'll say, we can't do that because it'll affect our business and we'll stop all our lobbying and we'll stop funding your political parties and we'll stop funding the centralised global agencies that even came up with these ideas in the first place. So why don't you go pressure normal people who are already having a hard time? Why don't you stick it to them, like farmers and truck drivers? Hold on a minute, I'm writing this down. What? Farmers, truck drivers... Billionaires have carbon footprints that can be thousands of times higher than those of average Americans. During the pandemic, obviously, there was a massive wealth transfer. You remember that, don't you? You remember the the richest institutions in the world, big pharma, big tech, all of that stuff, big media, all got a lot richer. So whilst that situation may have been crushing penury for a lot of people, for some of the most powerful interests in the world, you'd have to say from a financial perspective, at least, it was a good thing. Worldwide sales of private jets soared when commercial travel was banned, according to Oxfam. So while people that couldn't afford private jets were not going anywhere, people that could afford private jets were going places. That's why it didn't matter to them. How many times did you see in the news people having parties and they weren't wearing masks and all that kind of stuff or going to private islands or whatever? Now, what I think we object to is people talking about ecology and carbon footprints and why farmers should be bankrupted all the while they're bombing about in private jets. If you want to reduce carbon emissions, if that's what you want, then don't fly about in a private jet. You could save us all the arse ache by not going to that pancake day thing. But, I would offer, the reason that that isn't what happens is because that isn't the purpose of it. The purpose is to bankrupt ordinary farmers, to destabilise economies that affect ordinary people, while further centralising and globalising wealth so more edicts of this nature can be put forth, which don't even negatively impact rich people anyway because they can do what they bloody well like. We're being told that we're in a cost-of-living crisis, but in a cost-of-living crisis, massive organisations would not be seeing an increase in profits. This is another wealth transfer where ordinary people are having their limited wealth extracted, centralised and given to corporate power. We will demonstrate that in a second. Again, that was Russell Brand on his YouTube channel. We will be keeping a special focus on the new policy being introduced, such as the recent CHIPS Act and the Inflation Reduction Act. Both of these bills have been moving through Congress and the Senate amidst the backdrop of FBI raids, on the former president and the January 6th commissions. 
These bills have some merit to them, but ultimately they put more money into the hands of corrupt government officials and politicians and corporate executives, and they make the federal government more powerful, which I do not think is necessarily good for the country. Opinions and political differences aside, what is important is that we keep our focus on sustainability and renewable energies, but not while intentionally demolishing our economy and our societies. All right, let's put that to rest. Hey, if you are a Doge holder, well, to the moon. Doge is up 6% since last week about this time and up close to 20% from this time a month ago. The coin stands at just over 7 cents. To the moon. See you next week. This is Audiburst Media.